0: week number two on the podcast blocking and tackling it's me Nathan Blum you know on this episode I uh, you know sit down with a with a colleague of mine that I've known for you know five plus years and he's really I've always learned a lot from him from afar and um, and and what the times we do get to chat you know it's always something that I find I find a lot of value um, from when he speaks so really excited for you guys to you know, find out who the the guest is and and dive in. I think you know in episode two here, I feel a little bit more confident in um, you know delivering some more actual, you know actionable you know content that you can add into your processes here with with uh, the guest. And again, if you could just share this podcast, you know, repost it, um, share it on LinkedIn, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter, you know, let me know, give me some feedback because. Um, this is a long journey of of trying to get you know I want anything that I do I try I want to get as as elite as possible. It's kind of where I'm what I'm shooting for, and 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 the only way I'm going to get there is with uh, the help of you guys that are going to listen. So appreciate the the time and you guys coming by and hey, sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride into work or on the way home. And and here's episode two. Thanks, guys. Hey, Podcast Land. This is Nathan Blum with. Blocking and Tackling episode number two. I am joined with uh, my good friend and colleague, uh, Andrew Sidney. He is the director of inside sales and group sales with the Houston Rockets. How are we doing, Andrew? Doing great, Nathan. How are you? Hanging in there. Is it? Am I going to go with Sydney? Because I've always called you that way. Or are we going with Andrew? What are we going today?
1: It's either Andrew, Sid, Sidney, one of those three. Any well, of
0: them work. Oh. We'll go. We'll go. Sid. I, I just feel like it's the right cool. brand. There it is. Right. Love it. Love so it. yeah. Well, hey man, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the podcast with me. Um, got a lot of respect all the way back to our uh, recruiting days at winter uh, baseball meet. Uh, winter meetings. We're That's right. After the same guys, so have a lot of respect for you and everything that you do. And um, if we could just kick it off with. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, school, and, um, you know, what really led uh, you to uh, wanting to work in sports?
1: Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you having me on. Happy to go through this. So, um, yeah, uh, Andrew Sidney, I'm from, uh, originally from New York, so I grew up on Long Island, uh, a town called East Meadow in Nassau County. Um, went to school at Ithaca College, which is a small school in upstate New York. Um, It's actually in the same, you know, Ithaca, New York has Cornell and Ithaca um, right in the same town. I went to Ithaca, not Cornell. Um, So, yeah, so enjoyed, uh, enjoyed my time there for three and a half years and and graduated with the hopes of moving into the sports world. Um, Wasn't, I'm not not one of those people that, you know, now a lot of people graduating students have this idea that, you know, they want to do sales like 100%. They're all in. Um, that That was not me i, I wasn 't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to work in sports somewhere um, and through various internships that I had over my time in in college i I, I knew that sales would be something that I may enjoy um, I knew I did not want to be on stadium operations uh, because i cleaned i cleaned toilets for for a summer with the newark Bears minor league baseball team, and I did not want to do that. That's
0: that's hands on. That is yeah, uh...
1: it's as hands on as you you can get. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I knew I didn't want to do that through that internship, and um, you know, had an opportunity to to apply to a bunch of places, and um, you know, it really came down to to going to the uh, Frisco Rough Riders, who are a minor league baseball team. You mentioned that earlier. Um, They are the AA affiliate of the Texas Rangers, and um, you started there in inside sales and the reason I fell in love with it was for me, it was the the competition, um, controlling what I could control and and the more hard work I put in, the more successful I was going to be. Um, and it really fell in love with the people of sports and had some great mentors in my time in Frisco who have now moved on to, to do other things, but they really helped me mold my sales, uh, style and who I was and great training. And eventually, um, took that ability and, sold for three years in Frisco. Then I had an opportunity to be the director of ticket sales and service there for two more years and, and then um, was recruited to the Rockets uh, to oversee our groups and inside sales team at a manager level and, and recently moved up to uh, a director level overseeing groups and inside sales. We have a manager of both departments now um, and I'm focused on a lot of our uh, single game strategy, Um, you know, obviously maximizing each ticket in the building for every game, uh, whether it's, Group tickets, single game tickets, season tickets, mini plans, things like that. So that's where we are today.
0: Perfect. Hey, thanks. Thanks for the context because you know there's a lot of paths out there that are similar, and then there's some that are a little different. But now that you know the listener knows a little bit about you know where he came from and and the steps along the way, one thing you know I, I I'm finding some common themes with with chatting with folks. Whenever you were in that mode where you didn't know exactly where, what you wanted to do. Was there a mentor that pushed you towards sales, or were you, you know, did you just have a divine moment where you said, Oh, well, hey, I'm going to maybe I try this out?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, my, my dad was always somebody who, who worked really hard. Um, and he owns his own, uh, pharmacy company, um, you know, a, a pharmacy that, that, you know, there's direct retail sales in that. So I've seen him do that. Um, but it was, it was more of him kind of saying, Hey, you may want to look at this. You're, you're a competitive person, you know, you're coachable, you have good work ethic. I think you could do well in sales. He just mentioned that. And, and from there, um, it may really, be my first boss who's, who's now the, you know, senior director of sales for the Indiana Pacers, uh, Justin Ramquist helped me, you know, really, um, identify, you know, my, uh, path here in sales and then what's, you know, what's been a, a good career so far down, down that road.
0: Wow. That's, that's really cool that it was, uh, You know, your father, my, my dad was like, you want, they have jobs in sports. Like, you you know, my, it it was so like foreign to my dad. Um, and you know, my, my stories, I, you know, I, I was in player ops as an intern with the Columbus crew and I mentioned it on the last spot, but I think it's just fun to share. Everyone's kind of got that moment where, you know, my boss says, Hey, Nate, you did a great job, but you can be an intern for three, four more years before you make any money. (laughs) And I was like, "That's true." Ah, yeah. uh, he's like, "Hey, you have the personality <laughs> for it, you know." There's one of me over here on the team side, and Obet's, you know, outside of Columbus, and there's 50 guys over at the stadium who you know are in sales. Like, I, you have the personality for it. I think you should pursue it. And what's common in our two stories? We both had a mentor. Your dad, mine would be Tucker. And whenever he said that, my personality said, "Okay, sure." I just jumped. Right? It wasn't like. Yep. You know, it was kind of like if someone that you—it's—that's an also common thing that I'm finding is for the personalities that really work well in sports is—is wanting to follow others who have been successful or in in mentorship and being able to say yes whenever you get some advice for someone that thinks that you know they have the best interest for you and you just jump right and all um, in two feet. (laughs) <laughs> yep, and, and that's what we're looking for, right on the inside sales side, is someone that can just be a sponge and just say yes, and let's and and execute. So, really appreciate that story. So, as a salesperson, as a as a self producer, um, when you were in Frisco, one of the best sales cultures in all of minor league baseball. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, in the early months, you know what what was it about your sales process that you feel like helped you really stand out from the pack.
1: For sure, you know, I think for me it was work ethic. I I worked harder than people other people in my class. So I would get to work. I'm an early bird, so like I'm up very early um, and I would get to work like an hour earlier than everyone um, and have my coffee ready. and like when I got to work, I got to work. Um, I'm not a huge afternoon person, so like I would be out the door, you know, maybe 20 minutes after after everyone else did, but not, not, you know, still after everybody. Like I, I came late. I was the first one in, last one out, um, and just worked hard when I was there. And I have fun. like had a blast. Um, we had, you know, we just like a normal sports team, we, we joke around, give each other crap. But I feel like I outworked a lot of people and just had more opportunities um, because of that, because of that. It's, you know, sales is a number game. If you, numbers game. If you have more opportunities out there, you're more likely to close more. Um, and then I really took an interest in our training, uh, structure and the scripts that we had. Like I, I memorized everything, um, that we had, whether I could use it on the phone or in face to face, um, because I wanted to learn everything front to back so that I knew that I was the most prepared for every phone call or meeting that I had.
0: Right. And I'm sure that gave you so much more confidence, right? Going into every meeting Every phone call to set up those meetings, you know, at the point of close, being, you know, a student of the game, you know, helps you whether you're in sales or, you know, you're shooting free throws, right? I mean, it, whoever, yep. you know, and then and then the repetition, also being the student, but also being willing to put in the work, and you know, look to the person to the left of you, look to the person to the right of you, and say, hey, I'm just going to outwork everyone. You know, that's a that's a. Uh, Characteristic of someone who who's not going home in an inside sales program, right? They're going to earn a position.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's you know that's it's the little things of how you know how are you going to stand out, especially when you're in inside sales, you know, and you're in if you're in a larger on a larger team, how are you standing out? You know, sales numbers are great. If you're not number one, only one person can be number one. So if you're not number one, how else are you going to stand out within that within that uh, team? Um, And there are intangible things that you can do. Just like any sports team, people have intangibles: their leadership, their ability to work, they're asking questions, they you know they show they're coachable. Um, so if you're not number one on the board, like there are other things that you can do to to distinguish yourself. But at the end of the day, being number one on the board kind of helps. <laughs>
0: uh, absolutely, it's uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, uh, Sid is. There was a real life today in our goal setting meetings, uh, GSMs we call them, weekly with one of my AEs. I'm, I wouldn't go I won't go into all the numbers, but he's a top sure. producer and a new AE has come in and very quickly has passed him, you know, in revenue. And we're mm-hmm. we're trying to diagnose that and when we start diving into the metrics that all of us know cuz their salesmanship's pretty on point. One person has a lot more Experience, but the but the newer person really has is pretty tight to that best practice line. And so we're trying to find the nuance. We're trying to find where. And we pulled January. Both people hit their metrics for expectations. One, the new rep made those seven hundred more phone calls in January wow. than than this more senior rep. Both there of them you hit go. their <laughs> minimums, right? And I said, buddy, look at this, like. How can you even exp- of course this happened. Right? Yep. You it doesn't your talent will not take you exactly where you want to go. It's going to have to come, you know, you're going to have to round out. I'm not saying that you're not make, you know, you're hitting the expectation to do well, right? But elite you're going to have to compete at that next level because there's people challenging you on the staff that are willing to do that. And that's I mean, there's the, that's the margin we're looking at. Do you have any real life kind of scenarios throughout your time of, of management of, you know, a rep coming to you say, Hey, you know, doing well, but not doing what it takes to be elite. Yeah. I mean,
1: we, you know, I've seen that a few times over, over the course of my, of my time here, you know, whether it's in Frisco or, or here in Houston, especially when, you know, for an inside sales group here in, in Houston, we don't really, it's, it's rare to get promoted um, within Probably eight months is probably the minimum. So you have people right. who are consistently, you know, getting a new class that comes in behind them. Um, we had one girl who who started with us, um, and in within three months was outselling our full time staff, mm. and she was insanely good. Um, unfortunately, she got homesick and moved back home, but she was incredible. We wanted to keep her, and she made a statement. To the whole floor in her time here that you all are working fine, you're good, but I'm great. And mm. that she did it. She did it by above and beyond work and also utilizing her social media to obtain leads via LinkedIn and Instagram and all these different ways that a traditional salesperson may not be looking at. Um, so she also thought a little bit
0: outside of the box. Mm. I That gets me fired up. I love those stories because it you know, even though you weren't able to retain her, and that, that's unfortunate. I'm sure yeah. that was a shot in the arm to the whole room,
1: right? It was. It was not even just. I'm not even talking. You know, just inside sales. It was a shot for our our group sales. It was a shot for our account executives. It was a shot uh, shot for our premium team. Like to see this, you know, new inside sales uh, lady come in and sell high dollar premium seats that our full-time staff who had been here for years couldn't, couldn't sell. It was during a tough time. Also, we were coming off a high expectation, low performing year, and she still did this. So even when, imagine if she was still here during the momentum of maybe last year of a Western conference final run, how much
0: revenue she could have generated. Right. That's a I I love that. I really appreciate that. Um, You know, the story there with that, because it's just, you know, and how as a leader, how do you use that, Momentum off of a new uh, representative, to then you know position that it out in the room and not in a you know a way that is going to have everyone being like ah oh, this guy why is he you know why are you getting right. on me but from a position of like hey like you you might not be as good as you think you are <laughs> you know? yeah, hey this is even for me too like you you know I thought you were a lot better we can't take we can't have this bringing people off the street that are going to outproduce you this quickly. That's just, I'm doing something wrong too, right? Like, and just playing it as it's not just you, it's both of us. And we got to figure out how to emulate some of this success. Um,
1: Yeah. I I love that you just said that, you know, it's not just, it's not just you. it's, It's me too. Like my bar is raised because I have to, you know, I should be managing to her work ethic and she's raised my bar as a boss. And that's what we want from everybody is to make, you know, if you work this hard, everybody's everybody's bar and everybody's low expectation is going to be extremely high, which means we're running functionally at an extremely high consistent level. So when you have somebody like that, we couldn't keep her unfortunately, but like it's super important to not only obtain that, but then it you know utilize like you said, utilize that momentum to hopefully spread it to other people.
0: Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about the nitty gritty process. Both on the inside sales side and then the group side of your all's pro- let's let's just say you know off season and then one that's in season of how you know you're prepared I'm sure there's there's a thousand ways to end at a sale right but your preferred path um, that you guys are really trying to you know have your reps be as close to as possible when it comes to hey is it phone call first this type of conversation then we're going to book the appointment face to face and then we're going to do a tour on that? Or is this, you know, could you walk me through a little bit of your all's game plan there in Houston from an inside sales perspective?
1: Yeah. So right now I'll, I'll, I'll utilize something that's coming up for, for inside sales. So we're about to, in about two weeks, um, go live for our 2019, 2020, uh, sales campaign, new, new, you know, new full season, uh, sales campaign for, for next year. And, you know, it's a big, that's a big time for anybody, big time for us. Um, Right now, our, our inventory situation is is in a we're in limited capacity, but we still have some premium seats that we need to move. And everybody on our floor is a premium salesperson. That's how we look at it. Right. Uh, we train our we train our inside sales folks on B two B the first day, um, so they need to know how to how to go through that. So right now, our process would be that we have campaigns set up for them um, of certain criteria for for companies within. Houston. And if they want to take that further and target law firms or target, you know, uh, finance industry or target the healthcare industry or the, you know, um, construction industry, if they want to drill drill down and do it further, they can, but we give them those leads. Um, they are responsible to, to call them and attempt to set an appointment on that, you know, first on the spot call. Like we don't want gotcha. them talking tickets. We don't want them talking mm-hmm. price, product, we want them sitting in a meeting, and, and we've got well Steve we Delay,
0: well Steve Delay booking the appointment.
1: Action absolutely there? Yeah. B two B. C, I mean, I mean, I know you know it, it never goes old nope. um, the way that the way that Steve and others also out there um, teach how to set appointments, um, but it's the way to sell premium specifically. So right. we we want them to set an appointment, and we have an event set up uh for them you know a select the seat event that we're we're asking them to to invite them to the stadium for that event um at this point now if they can't make it we want them to go we want our rep to go out to their office um and and try and and try and meet with them there in the hopes that they can face to face maybe convince them to come to the select the seat event to pick their seats Um, So, so right now that's, that's how we're operating at this point. So it's just a call and then hopefully set the appointment, get them out to select the seat. If they don't answer, we want them to send an email, not a long email, really short email talking about how, you know, I'm sure you never thought that sports industry can help increase sales or, you know, help employee morale or help client development. What if I told you it could, you know, do you have 15 minutes to come to the center on this day to look at seats with me? Um, you know, so, so things like that to try and get them uh, out at the event. So that's what our inside sales is okay. focused on right now.
0: One, one quick question on that. Is the limited availability having you push everything to this event rather than a game invite per se? Is that the, because you guys, I'm guessing percentage to capacity is really high for you guys right now.
1: It is. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you have to, you kind of have to adapt, right? You have to create your own, you know, game itself. Um, Correct.
1: So we'll emulate a game, courts down, lights on, music playing. There's just no game, right? right. So we just have seats that are tagged that are available. Um, And then hopefully we're in a situation where we can utilize playoffs to leverage these sales, where if they purchase seats for 1920, they get playoff seats at a reduced rate for this year upcoming. So they get their playoff seats first, and then next year they get their regular season seats.
0: Got it. What is your favorite objection to handle on booking the appointment?
1: I love the, I know it's just lame, but like I love the I'm not interested like three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like people who just say, look, I'm not interested. Then like, look, I, I, I told you again, I'm not interested. Um, because for me, they don't even know what can be done to try and help them. They're just saying that honestly to just get you off the phone. So I do enjoy the battle um, or the grind. On trying to capture their attention um, and make sure they understand exactly why I'm calling and why I get why I'm inviting them to this event. So I just like the back and forth.
0: Perfect. I'm really close to just asking you to uh, to because to, because the tr- I know I have a really good idea of just because of our backgrounds and everything and knowing um, from Frisco like what you're putting your guys through. It's 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 in my opinion the best objection, you know, guide and B2B booking the appointment and not everyone gets that opportunity. I talk about, you know, one of my big thought processes as I feel really thankful for the places that I've worked. Right. I didn't, for sure. I didn't know if Manchester Monarchs at that period of time was going to give me, you know, an AG property was going to give me, you know, Charlie Chisloggi's training in the first week. I didn't know that when I was picking my opportunity, right? Yep. And I don't think you, you know, knew that you know the tie-ins with uh, Frisco and how s- solid of a, s- a sales um, structure they had, right? When you made that decision, absolutely not. I was very lucky, and um, you know that's something I'm so grateful for. And th- there's so many places out in sports said that just don't have that training. They don't have, you know, they're not investing and their salespeople to deliver that type of training, even if, you know, they don't have someone in the family tree who's been through it um, or seen it. Um, you know, when I went to the Suns, I didn't... I also, at them, I, I felt very confident. And, you know, Jeff Ainello, who who's... Uh, I believe you're pretty close with as well, and Bob Hamer. Mm-hmm. I felt yep. really confident. I didn't know the... Until you step into that environment, you're like, oh my, okay. Like, this is going to wake a whole other side of me, you know? And then you know, it really shapes like career. That's what I try to tell, you know, when I'm recruiting on the inside sales side is make sure you are going to a program that you really feel comfortable in. That's going to really help you grow. And they're out there. They're just not everywhere. Right. For sure. And, uh, that's all. I, I think that's awesome. So, so transitioning a little bit to, you know, the group side, you have a lot of, uh, You know, thought thoughts on that. That was where that was my come up as a self producer. Um, Obviously, we're full menu in Phoenix, but I really came up through group sales. What is that process like? And I haven't seen a property that has such a you know sell through to capacity on on what your group strategy really is and how many you hold back for groups and let your team sell. Mm -hmm. Um, What what does that really look like right now for you guys with the Rockets? (laughs)
1: Yeah, good, great question. It's been it's been interesting over the last four years. Kind of we've been up and down and up and sort of up again and and kind of maintaining. Um, but it's been every other year really where we've got you know plenty of inventory. We're good. Like you know, groups doesn't need to worry about overselling or selling too many tickets. Uh, but this year, you know, we we are we are limited. Um, our lower bowl is extremely full of season ticket members. We have certain seats that we've you know we've held back about 4 to 500 lower bowl seats per game for groups um and additional uh you know there's about 2 2000 seats upstairs that we've held back for single game tickets whether that's adult tickets or groups so you know on any game we're 25 to 3 grand um of seats that we want to sell on a single game basis and it's been you know a strategic plan and and it's I, i'm thankful to go through it it's it's hard for Um, the reps to fully grasp um, why they can't (laughs) sell these seats or where all these seats go. Um, But it is, it is a challenge that that has been an interesting one for me, at least on how to maximize each additional uh, seat for whether it's a group ticket or a single game ticket. So we look at that, we plan out just like any other team. We plan out the year um, performance groups, team nights, um, you know, regular traditional groups that have come year over year. But we, the most important thing is we, we want our groups to know they're valued and every yes. year they will have an opportunity to come to a game. Their price may go up. They may get to pick a different game every year. Um, it's not, maybe not a Saturday or Friday night, but there's going to be a time and maybe it may be soon. It may be a couple years where these groups are going to be the most important thing we have and we need them coming back year over year.
0: Absolutely. So the naysayer, right. And, and I, I love this conversation. The naysayer says, well, you know, Sid, you guys could have sold those for, you know, ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent more if you just, you know, do da, da 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 this, you know, individual ticket, season ticket, right? But what they don't, what that viewpoint really doesn't understand is what happens when, you know, it, it all falls apart, <laughs> right? Right? Like, yeah. what happens if you sell too many season tickets? You don't have this base of groups that then you can activate when you need them. I'm sure there's a lot of groups out there. That are only at half mass, right, of what they could produce. For sure, and yep. the day that you have to flip the switch and turn it back on, you better have that relationship with them, or else you're starting from ground zero and, and you're in trouble,
1: right? Absolutely. I mean, there's you know no doubt from our leadership here, you know, even you know higher higher than than me that group sales are are a key piece of of our. You know, our our job as salespeople on the ticket side that that we need to keep them year over year and hopefully grow them. But if we can't grow them, maintain them, um, so that when when we do have a chance to let them go, you know, put berserk and, and sell as many tickets as they want, that 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 we that we feel comfortable with them and have that relationship with the group leader or whoever's running the running the events. And and you know, to your earlier point, um, you know, with with how we're 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 a very well structured pricing team here, so. A season ticket, you know, is always less than a group ticket, and that le- a group ticket is right. always right. less than an adult ticket. So if you if you sell all those seats at a season ticket, which we could have done, we definitely could have done. It's the same people in the building every game, right? Con- mm. th- theoretically, so you don't get any new bodies. Group sales, you usually have new people within that group, which means more pe more leads and more people to sell to, and the tickets more expensive, right? For than what a season ticket would have been. So your upside is a little bit higher than what it would have been if you sold all of them as a, as a season ticket, because you kind of cap yourself because the seats sold, and you can't take advantage of big games against LeBron, big games against Oklahoma City, big games against Golden State, where there is a higher dollar assigned with those types of games for an adult or group ticket.
0: Correct. So you're really the the, the product you're fighting against is the individual ticket buyer, which would be the most the highest price point. Right. Saying, yep. Hey, for, you know, the Lakers coming to town, why don't we just, you know, not sell groups and just maximize revenue this night when really, in my opinion, I'm all about short term sacrifice and paying for long term stability and growth. Um, mm-hmm. It was something that, you know, I got to, you know, on the minor league baseball side, the other, you got me thinking, I, I hate talking food and beverage. I don't know why it's just. You know, in baseball, we always felt like we were like food and beverage account executives, <laughs> um, with yeah. these picnics and everything. The price points, and, yeah, all uh,
1: inclusive, yeah.
0: Yeah, where you know this is the ticket, really five and a half dollars, but it's twenty five dollar price point for these guys. Come on, man! <laughs> like I'm trying to sell my group number here, but um, you know, someone who you know it's, it's their first time or they they come once or twice, they're probably just gonna have more. There's gonna be a more uh, you know outside revenue than just the ticket that'll probably come from that a uh, buyer for right. that night, a little more excitement, you know, when they, when they walk into the arena. Um, so what, you know, what would you say your old's most popular asset is to sell or, and something maybe new that you guys, you know, have, have dreamt up over the last two years or so
1: for, sorry, for like a fan experience. Yeah.
0: Fan experience group, group sales assets.
1: Yeah. Um, recently, what have we done? Um, we, we luckily had a sponsor create a brand new space for us this year, um, which is a terrace, uh, where people can purchase, um, tickets into the, into the terrace and then get seats in the game. And we, we don't, you know, in baseball, especially minor league baseball, you have all of these hospitality areas, right. That uh-huh. you book um, with us here, we don't have a ton of those. We have very traditional seats and we have traditional suites. We don't have that hospitality spot. So, one of our sponsors actually just built one out for us, which has now become a group asset for us to sell. Um, and then on the experience side, we do a myriad, um, a myriad of things. We do a ball exchange on the court, where you know a kid or a student or somebody gets to hand um, a ball into the players' hands. I'm sure you're familiar with that mm-hmm. one. Um, bench warmers. Um, we do a post game free throw. We've had people. We've had we have we are lucky here in Houston. We, we get a lot of court time. So performance groups, half times, pregame and postgame. Um, one thing that we've we've done in the past is actually had like groups sing in the stands, like during a timeout. We've got a group like sing in the stands who couldn't get court time. They would just sing um, something quick
0: so that inter- was just a way like, during a timeout. Yeah, it was just a way to like we don't that do is it now. Sick. We did it.
1: We did it in the past when we needed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dude, that is insane. I've never heard yeah. of that. That was that was an odd one. Our, our game ops didn't love it because it was not a great game presentation. But we did sell groups that way. So that was one that was kind
0: of I mean, oddball. But you theoretically, know. you could sing some like very hip like current song on the radio. You could, right? I mean, yeah, it, but, the only thing we did like um, back in Manchester would be like um, Christmas carols, right? For all the kit in the upper level, we did during an yeah. intermission. Um, but that was like yeah. really large scale, not just like hey, maybe a, you know a a chorus of 50, you know, that's just in section two, fifteen. here's the mics timeout, go you're live. Is that what it was like?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they would, you know, it would, it would, uh, the spotlight would come on them and and everything. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm texting my guys left in Salem on that one. (laughs) That is just literally like in between innings, like you can just, you know, Hey, we sold out the national anthem. We sold the, you know, God bless America. And Hey, we're going to sell three spots and we're just singing on all game. That's what we're there you doing. Go. Yeah. <laughs> just let people sing. So that's it. One more question on the group side said, what do you think, what's, what's some characteristics that you're really looking for? Um, and someone to, to move them into a group sales account executive position. And what have you seen, you know, from their work ethic and day in and day on how they position the product, really what separates those in that, on that team to be, you know, top performers.
1: Yeah. The big thing is, you know, groups is, is a sales and service position. Um, to me it's, it's got the blend of both. So, you know, when you're in season ticket sales, you sell it, it's done, right. You, you know, some teams, you don't even have to service them for a year. Like it, it moves on, but for groups, you, you need to, you need to be able to build these relationships. Um, so the big thing is for me is, is, you know, can you communicate with people? Number one, so communication, organization, and, and attention to detail. I mean, those three things when it comes to a group sales rep is extremely important because you have events and all these different things that are moving at 100 miles an hour during the season and how are you going to stay organized? Do you know which groups are coming out on which day? Do you know which groups have the fan experience? Um, and then can you position the product in a way that it shows value to people who necessarily may not be basketball fans, right? So like, mm-hmm. they may not be sports fans. Can you talk about why they should come to a Rockets game when it has nothing to do with the action on the court and be creative in a way that it gives them value, whether that's through fundraising or whatever it may be. You need to be able to show value through creativity or just your communication skills.
0: Wow. Clip that. If we were live, we're clipping that in the chat. That was really well said, man. Um, Appreciate it. I, uh, I really I, I align, I, I think, very similar... On a lot of those points, my you know that's why one, we like each other. Hey, there you go. One <laughs> one the the thing that I've kind of like can, uh, digested everything into, you know, one you know a couple phrases is in season ticket world or membership season membership, um, you know, you're really trying to uh, position the product either to the B2B or B2C for them to put their card down right mm-hmm. and buy the product. Right. on the group side, it is you have to be able to inspire someone to then spend their time you know energy and effort to then inspire others to do something. It's almost
1: like you're creating you know another seller for the rockets on yep. the other end of the
0: phone oh it's it's absolutely like world ventures I did in college where i'm I'm getting yeah. other kids to sell travel packages like. Or, you know, Mary Kay or some of these other where, you know, you have to believe in the product so much, like you said, someone that might not be a basketball fan and the reasons why you have to be able to inspire them to then inspire others to buy the product. This is something really hard for me to understand as a, as an early group sales rep that I was like, wait, so I, you know, I'm not just asking someone to slap down a hundred tickets on their card today. Like right. that happens. Obviously those are, those there's clean transactions like that. A lot of the B two B world can be that clean, um, but it's just it's usually not the majority of um, you know the wholesale process process from a group sales perspective. So, um, inspire that's the if I'm I'm looking for for inside sales reps that can really inspire others, and I feel like with the right processes they can be great. That's what I'm looking for.
1: There you go. I love um,
0: that. Perfect, man. Well, hey, I wanna I wanna wrap it up with. Um, What does, you know, blocking and tackling to me really means the day-to-day process grind that it takes to excel and be awesome at something. It's not the things that are sexy and end up, you know, in articles or, you know, right now on LinkedIn, it's super cool to say, hey, the telephone's dead. Like, I don't know if you've noticed. It's so cool to say that from people who haven't been practitioners of a telephone, right? It's not like the piece of plastic selling the product. You have to know how to use it. What does blocking and tackling, you know, mean to you in this context of a salesperson who can be elite? Like, what does their process look like? If you ra- what does it mean to you?
1: You know, to me, if I'm thinking blocking and tackling, the first word, you know, obviously, it comes to mind is fundamentals um, mm-hmm. for me, and that's that's being able, you know, that incorporates a lot of things when it comes to sales. The first thing is are you coming to work prepared or are you just showing up because it's your paycheck, right? Like, are you coming to work to be your absolute best on that any given day? And to me, that's getting to work a little bit early, getting yourself settled, not strolling in at, you know, two minutes before the, before you're supposed to be there and, you know, hopping on your computer, looking at your fantasy team. And when the bell rings, like you pick up the phone, like that's, that's not what I'm looking for. I want people that are prepared to go to work every day and have scheduled their day already the night before, or at least the start of their day. Um, so that's number one is mentality and how you go about your job and the way you should go about your job is that it's career, not just a job. So that's number one.
0: Mm.
1: Number two, it's all of the, you know, fundamentals that go into selling, right? So we talked about mentality. Now it's just the selling process. So are you practicing your phone pitch? How you talk to people on the phone, your tone, your emphasis, you know, are you practicing with your family and friends at home? You're trying to sell your friends like on a practice. Like I did that all the time. Like, Hey, give me five minutes. I just want to, I want to see if you'll, you'll engage me on, on this conversation. Um, so, you know, your phone, your emails, are you generating your emails in the right way? Are you writing, you know, an eight page novel in each email or are you, <laughs> Getting to getting to the point and crafting your emails in a way that makes sense. Um, your LinkedIn, your brand. Where's that at? That's super important now. That wasn't totally important when me and you were selling, right? Like Preach. that wasn't a that wasn't a thing. Like nowadays, you need a brand on on at least LinkedIn, if not Twitter, um, Instagram. I don't know, but LinkedIn and Twitter to me need to be your personal almost sales brand of who you are and and, and what you're doing. Um, and and how are you operating LinkedIn? You know, are you searching for people? You know, can you, can you find the right contacts? And I mean, it's great that you can just search CEO in whatever location and there's, you know, uh, 200 leads right there. Um, and how are you, how are you trying to contact those people? Do you have the right process now? So it's those three things. And then, and then obviously your face-to-face meetings, you know, are you presenting yourself in the right way? Do you have a suit and tie on? Do you use your shoes, match your belt? You know, all these different different things that like as a young kid, you don't really understand and you need to have people who teach you those things. And then, you know, in your meetings, do you have the path? Do you have the agenda? Do you have the train track that you're following that you're driving these prospects in a way that you know what the next answer is going to be with it before you even ask the question? Or there's two options and you know which direction it's going to go. So all these things like to me go into blocking and tackling um, and and it all boils down to how much, how much time do you invest in your career? Is it, is it what you want? Is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? And it it is, are you investing in yourself for that? Or are you, you know, doing other things that take away from your career and maybe you won't be as elite as
0: you want to be? Well said. That was, I like, I like to talk a lot. And, um, I really just wanted to jump in just give you some more like hallelujah, preach, tell, let (laughs) let the people know. Um, I had to just let you do your thing there, man. Hey, but I, I really appreciate you coming on and taking some time. And Hey, one way I'm investing in myself is I, I really feel like just this 35 minute session, I'm ready to go in the morning, man. You, you, you're inspiring me. I really appreciate, um, hearing about your processes and what you're looking for and, um, hey, good luck on the uh, second half of the season and, and also on your on sale for for nineteen uh, twenty. That's going to be Appreciate It's it. going to be big. Yeah,
1: you're you're the man. This is awesome that you're doing this. I I don't know honestly from everything you do on LinkedIn, I don't know how you do it, but you're you're incredible. Starting this off, you run a great you run a great team over there. You are a great organization. You know, keep it up. You're you're
0: inspiring people yourself. Appreciate that, man. Hey, have a have a good one. Okay. You too. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.